Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we put on our fleecy jumpers and heat up some tasty, tasty warming beverages. But this week we are, and this week we are talking about winter beverages. Hmm. We got some mulled wine, we got some toasty feelings. Time to uh, make sure we don't freeze our toes off. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, so, winter drinks. Yeah, for uh, the vast majority of our listeners, the weather grows ever colder. Winter is coming. Mm. Good thing we're in Australia where summer is coming. Although, apparently, it's uh, jokes jokes on us because it's cold today. Yes, well, fortunately for us, really, because yeah. we're drinking things that warm you up to... Talk about things that warm you up to help all y'all out there warm up. <laughs> uh, winter drinks have been around for a very long time. Uh, some of the, like mulled wine, for example, it's been around for almost as, probably as almost as long as people have been making wine itself. Yeah, literally hundreds of years people have been making drinks that they serve hot and serve with alcohol for their warming effects. We, uh, What we're drinking today is the uh, the Swedish glug, I think it's pronounced. Um, it's a traditional Swedish recipe that's usually drunk around Christmas time. Hmm, as um, seems to be the case for a lot of the old traditional winter drinks is that they're associated with Christmas or ancient pagan ceremonies or mm. something to to that regard. I mean one of uh, one of the oldest, which is called Wasail, mm. is um, basically a, a mulled cider. Yeah, it's it's a mulled cider that is spiced and fortified with port and sherry and then served hot. And it actually dates back to pre Christian fertility rites when villagers would parade through their orchards in midwinter, shouting loudly and pouring cider on their plants to ward away the evil spirits over winter. Wassail. It's also a uh, another word for cheers. They all that that's how it uh, later became used as. Yeah, and uh, of course the custom of wassailing, which is uh, still practiced in some cider-producing counties of England. Mm actually um, changed in a number of ways. And during the Middle Ages, wassailing was a time for peasants to knock on the doors of the lords and the wealthy and demand food, drink, and charity in exchange for well wishes of good health. And uh, those who did not oblige were likely to be cursed or have their estates vandalized, (laughs) which sounds to me a lot like an early version of trick-or-treating. Yeah. But... uh, Wow. Yeah, the Christmas carol, Here We Go A-Caroling, was actually originally called Here We Go A-Wassailing, and We Wish You A Merry Christmas takes on an entirely different meaning when you consider that wassailers would uh, stand outside the door and call for the master of the estate to bring them a figgy pudding 
and a cup of wassail, which at the time was colloquially referred to as good cheer. Hmm. So when the lyrics say to have good cheer, what they mean is to have wassail. Huh. How about that? Yeah. I honestly did not expect this episode to involve Christmas carols. Right? I, I didn't either, <laughs> but there it was. And holy moly, I've just had a couple of sips of this uh, glug, and it is warming. Wow. Like, I can feel the warmth in my belly. Like, it, it's mm. not, not a hot, hot drink. I mean, it, it was hot coming off the stove, but wait for it. I give it like two, 20 seconds and then you'll feel it right in your belly. Yeah, and it, it almost, it's like it warms from the center of your being. Mm. This is amazing. Like the Swedish know their stuff. Mm. And that's what a good winter drink should really do. That's why they exist. Like uh, the hot toddy, for example, mm. is an alcoholic drink made with boiling water, sugar, and spices that has been around for a very long time. And the traditional Scottish version of a hot toddy is made with whiskey, boiling water, and sugar or honey. And uh, some recipes call for adding clove, cinnamon, or lemon. And uh, supposedly it has a very similar effect, but you get that effect from just whiskey by itself. So yeah, undoubtedly adding those other things to it. Mm. Gonna... Well, what I'm finding very interesting about uh, this drink, the glug, is it's full of spices spices as well so not only is it a warming drink like a, a whiskey would be it's got a lot of body to the mouthfeel like it doesn't feel like just you know a nip of a spirit yeah and that sort of i guess that whole um added spices thing makes its way across pretty much every traditional winter drink mm. that you can find a recipe for yeah many European countries have their own versions of mulled wine, uh, hot toddies. Well, probably not hot toddies, actually. I'm pretty sure that's just Scottish. Um, the wassail or mulled cider. Uh, Germany has a mulled beer. Um, not sure how that's going to go, but uh, you've got Germany's Glühwein, uh, sweet, Swedish Glog or Glug. Uh, yep, mulled cider. Or wassail, uh, yola 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 glog from Iceland. Uh, you've got uh, Hirazaki from Tokyo or Japan. Uh, Cola de Mono from Chile. Uh, Racomelo from Athens. Uh, you got Yega tea from Austria. Uh, Muma from Sweden as well. Right. Well, let's um, take take a brief moment away from talking about alcoholic, specifically alcoholic winter drinks, to talk about, just because it's got some great history behind it, hot chocolate. Yeah. Because hot chocolate actually began as an Aztec drink called chocolatl, <laughs> which meant bitter drink and was made with cocoa beans and chili. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. and Back, um, back before uh, cocoa was mixed with chocolate, or cocoa was mixed with sugar. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, so Cortez got his hands on that recipe when he was in the area. And, uh, <laughs> Just that Cortez fellow. Yeah, and when he returned to Spain in 1528, he took some cocoa beans and the recipe with him, but um, he changed it slightly and mixed it with hot water, dropped the chili, and added sugar. Mm. And then in 1615, it was introduced to France and uh, then spread throughout Europe. And the first chocolate houses then became established in London and Paris by 1657. And by the end of the 17th century, they had added milk to the recipe, Hmm. making it much closer to what we have today. And then in 1828, a Dutchman named Thendrik van Houten discovered a method for drying out the beans and turning them into a powder and making something very close to the powdered hot chocolate that we have now. Mm. So hot chocolate as we drink it today has basically been the same since 1828 and began back with the Aztecs. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's still a very popular warming winter drink. Yeah. Is hot chocolate. And of course you can add rum or whiskey or... Tequila. Tequila. Yeah, pretty much anything to Mm. a hot chocolate and it sits all right as long as the flavors don't (laughs) clash each other too terribly. I mean, a spiced rum hot chocolate would be pretty good. Yeah, I Mm. I think it would. And I mean, spiced rum has... Well, spiced rum and dark rum have actually been making their way into winter drinks for Mm. quite some time. Yeah, like uh, hot buttered rum, which originated in the Americas around the 1650s. Uh, used rum mainly because it was cheap and widely available in the area at the time was made with either dark or spiced rum hot water or cider and uh, various spices like cinnamon and cloves and it's a drink that was originally associated with holidays like thanksgiving and new year due to the puritans belief in abstaining from drinking alcohol during religious holidays but later became just a staple for the entire Christmas season (laughs) as the restrictions sort of mellowed. Or got forgotten. Or got forgotten, yeah, exactly. Yeah, It's like buttered rum. It just, I'm not sure how how that works, but... Mm, Yes, I did forget to mention that there is also butter in it. (laughs) Yeah, hot buttered rum. Yeah. It should be obvious, but yeah, it's got uh, butter, brown sugar, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, vanilla, rum, of course, and hot water making a nice, creamy, buttery beverage. Man, that sounds really nice. Yeah, it, it does. And um, interesting and warming. Mm. And undoubtedly, it would help you keep warm on a freezing cold night, not just because of the alcohol content and the fact that you serve it warm, but also the butter and the spices and things would add an element to it. Of something that your body can sort of burn off. Mm. Yeah. And of course, uh, if everyone's drinking the, this hot buttered rum, everyone's going to be getting war- nice and toasty themselves and heating up the area. Like people, just people being merry and having fun. Heats, yeah. Heats up a room. Yes, exactly. And of course, when you're not in a room, I suppose, when you're in a ship, that can that leads us very nicely into the next rum-based <laughs> winter drink, which is uh, grog. Grog. 
And uh, grog, of course, being a combination of hot water, citrus juice, cinnamon, sugar, and rum, was uh, first brought into existence when a admiral by the name of Edward Vernon introduced it to his West Indies Naval Squadron in 1740. And... uh, Really, the only truly interesting part about this, apart from that, you know, there were sailors who enjoyed drinking rum, is, because that's pretty standard, is that uh, where the name comes from, that Mm. Admiral Vernon wore a coat made of grogram cloth. His nickname was Old Grogram or Old Grog. Old Grog. Wow. And that just evolved into the drink he introduced to his men being called Grog. Or Grog's Drink. Yeah, Grog's drink and then Grog. And then Grog. And of course, in Australia, that's just a term to refer to alcohol in general. Mm. And apparently, apparently in Norway, I'm sorry, apparently in Sweden. Yeah, don't get those two. No, don't get (laughs) those two. Apparently in Sweden, it's a term to refer to any mixed drink. Hmm. It's fascinating. Like everyone's got. Everyone might use the same word, but has it has a slightly different meaning in each country. Yeah, and there's a lot of similarities with a lot of these winter drinks. Mm. But there's also just slight variation based on where in the world it came into existence. Yeah. Like, obviously, all of these rum-based ones came, came about in the Americas or the West Indies or areas that had a lot of sugarcane. Mm. The uh, slavery triangle. Yeah, where... Sugar was plentiful, thus molasses was plentiful, thus rum was cheap and plentiful. Mm. Uh, Of course, we can't uh, have a talk about winter drinks without mentioning eggnog again. We had a Christmas special a few years ago where we talked about it in depth, but it's always worth a revisit because it's part and parcel of winter, winter festivities, especially Christmas festivities. Uh, so one one story claims that eggnog is from a old English word meaning strong beer. The uh, the other possibility is that it came from the word noggin, a a word meaning a small cup, from uh, fifteen eighty eight. It's mm. uh, it's it's like a thick custardy kind of drink. Yeah, a, it... a thin custard consistency. It is. I, I recall from our, I didn't like from it. our Christmas special. I I was quite a fan. I enjoyed mm. I enjoyed drinking it, but then I think I might like posset as well, just from the from the sounds of it, because it's one of the oldest winter drinks mm. in the world, dating back to 100 AD, when milk and eggs were revered as symbols of fertility and everlasting life, <laughs> and alcohol had special significance in religious ceremonies, mm. and it that- would. Back when people didn't understand the mechanisms behind booze. Yeah, and uh, so it would be drunk during festivals and offered to the gods in thick leather sheaths, which symbolized the armor of the warring cultures and was the only appropriate, the only appropriate vessel for a masculine god. And uh, the custom prevailed into the Middle Ages, but as cultures became more civilized and fighting armor evolved, a pewter mug was used as the offering container instead. So uh, a posset has three distinct layers, the frothy layer called the grace, a custard layer in the middle, and the alcohol at the bottom, 
which was served in a special posset pot. And the pots were often made of silver and extremely ornate and were given as gifts at weddings and special occasions. That sounds really gross. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it resembles a custody dessert Mm. and um, is considered to have possibly evolved into eggnog. Yeah. So a recipe for it. Yes, tell me how to make posset so I can avoid it completely. Yeah, and this is a traditional recipe from 1671. Oh, my It says, take a pottle of cream and boil in it a little whole cinnamon and three or four flakes of mace. To this proportion of cream, put in 18 yolks of eggs and eight of the whites, a pint of sack, beat your eggs very well, and then mingle them with your sack. (laughs) Put in three quarters of a pound of sugar into the wine and eggs with a nutmeg grated and a little beaten cinnamon. Set the basin on the fire with the wine and eggs and let it be hot. Then put in... Then put in the cream... Yeah, Old English is fantastic. So, then put in the cream boiling from the fire, pour it on high, but stir it not, cover it with a dish, and when it is settled, strew on the top a little fine sugar mingled with three grains of ambergris and one grain of musk, and serve it up. Hmm. A recipe that contains ambergris and musk. Wow. Yeah, it's... No, I'm not so sure if I would like it, admittedly. It sounds a bit odd. Yeah. And doesn't make an awful lot of sense. I'm but sure you It's could... just the old English. If it were to be translated appropriately, it might make more sense. I mean, it kind of makes sense to me. Uh, but I had that training in deciphering recipes. Um, but it definitely sounds odd. Mm, well, and looking at a picture of it, which, I mean, obviously you guys can't see, it <sighs> looks kind of gross. Oh, All right. It, it kind of looks like you're serving up hot curdled cream with egg. Well, that's kind of what it is. And that's kind of what um, eggnog is too. It's a custody uh, concoction made with egg and cream. Yeah, though with the posset, it seems almost like you're intentionally making it separate into three different layers. Mm. Because they may not have understood how to... Uh, create that custody consistency and Mm. stirring like just throwing some eggs in and then stirring it over a fire is gonna uh curd or not curdle but coagulate yeah it's going to cause it to coagulate but um interestingly the the posset cup itself Mm -hmm. is an odd looking thing is it because it has two handles and um, a spout somewhat like a teapot coming from the bottom of it and I'm assuming one is supposed to drink it from the spout rather than from the actual rim of the cup. Hmm. Which I guess would mean that you would end up getting all three layers at once because the heavier layers should pull down towards the hole through the alcohol layer. It's such a weird drink. The... Pamante? No. Posset. Posset. Posset is such an odd drink. It's. I don't think I want to try that one. <laughs> yeah, no. I, like I can see how it evolved into eggnog, mm. and yeah, looking at the ingredients in it and the ingredients in eggnog, eggnog is to me far more palatable. I enjoy eggnog. 
Good-o. You do you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one drink that I really want to talk about is called, if I can pronounce this right, uh, Fjör Zangenbol. Zangenbol. Fjör Zangenbol. It's German. Uh, does your holiday... Tra- the article that I'm reading says, does your holiday tradition require more fire? The traditional Fjör Zangenbol provides... It's a, it's a Christmas drink, and part of the uh, ritual is to light it on fire. You get a bowl of glue wine, or glue wine, um, the German version of mulled wine. Uh, you get it, and in, in this, in the German's case, it is flavored with cinnamon, cloves, star anise, and orange peel, and then you uh, lay down on top on like a, a sieve kind of mechanism like you'd find an absinthe spoon. You lay a, a rum-soaked sugar cube and light it on fire. So the, the whole point of lighting it on fire is so the sugar can caramelize and drip into the wine, changing the flavor. Mm, and it would. I mean, rum, sugar. So you're basically making rum caramel. By, by setting it ablaze and having that rum caramel drip its way into your spiced mulled wine. Yeah, that sounds like a beauty of a drink. It, it does. It <laughs> sounds pretty amazing. Mm. Uh, this is, a very, is actually a very recent tradition as well as our next drink. This one is... Uh, apparently, this tradition um, comes partly comes from the film... Uh, the comedy, the 1944 comedy, Die Fürsangenball. And apparently the f- it's so popular, it's still shown at every December with huge vats of this drink. Wow. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, obviously some traditions, all traditions start at some point, some more recently than others. Like the uh, the last older drink we'll talk about here is the Tom and Jerry which is uh, considered to be a lost American classic made from brandy and rum added to a base of heated eggnog. And it was created by P.S. Egan, a sports writer in the 1820s, for publicity purposes to boost sales of his book, Life in London, or the day and night scenes of Jerry Hawthorne Esquire and his (laughs) elegant friend Corinthum Tom. Because eggnog was used, the drink was particularly designed for Christmas. And the Tom and Jerry was a holiday staple for a century in America until the 60s, when it all but disappeared from the country's cocktail vernacular. Wow. But this holiday season, dear American listeners, why (laughs) not resurrect Eggnog's fallen comrade and drink a piece of old Americana with a Tom and Jerry, which should be served in an Irish coffee glass or a coffee mug? Hmm. I mean, it sounds all right. I'd drink it. Yeah, I, I would also try that. And uh, I guess now that we've talked through all of the traditional winter drinks, let's just cover off on a few of the more recent modern drinks to warm you up mm. on a cold winter's day. I mean, obviously... Coffee. Irish coffee. An Irish coffee is, mm. yeah, a very modern, very popular way to to warm up. Irish coffees are so good. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. With... Warming up because of the temperature and warming up because of the Irish whiskey. Mm. Yeah, that uh, 
was it tealing that we that we had i think it was the the tealing yeah Hmm. and it it went very Hmm. well yeah um i mean you can have your hot chocolate of course with your rum your vodka your spirit of choice yeah pretty much whatever you want to put in it and then there's yeah almost any drink that you would normally have hot even tea you can add something to if you really wanted to like vodka Hmm. i don't know how well that'd go because tea is very subtle and adding booze to it is kind of like on the tea i mean if you were to have like a um i suppose a milky tea yeah or you know a uh a herbal tea like a pomegranate oh yeah tea mixed with yeah vodka or something could Mm could go well but yeah generally anything that when you drink it it warms you from the inside out that's that's a good winter drink Mm. i definitely recommend mulled wine i feel like i'm almost starting to sweat i gotta take my jumper off yeah it, it does the job i mean obviously it's not cold in in australia no but it's not warm today either no i think it's only it only got to like 18 or 20 degrees yeah, and for Which is cold for Queensland. Yeah, it's cold for here. It's cold for where we are. Yeah. Um considering yeah, considering recently it was like late uh late 20s, high 20s. Everyone was expecting things to get warmer. And then psych. Hmm. Um I haven't really got anything else to add. Aside from, look up some of these recipes online. They're everywhere. Everyone's got their own different version of these. Uh, Just, you know, pick and choose the flavors that you like. Um, I can highly recommend the Swedish glug. Yeah, it is very good. Mm. Um, If you can get your hands on it too, get, uh, get some mead. While it's not traditionally a winter drink, you can definitely have it hot, and it's pretty damn good uh, when when you've heated it slowly over a fire. Yeah, it works very well served hot, and obviously you can also very easily make your own hot cider by mm. just adding a few spices to some high, to some you know, apple or pear cider that you heat over a stove. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I haven't got anything else. Yeah, no, me either. So I guess that's all we have for this time. Hmm. So if you liked what you heard, uh, hit that subscribe button, smash that like button if you haven't already. You can find us on your favorite podcast app as a good drop all about alcohol. We are also on the socials, Facebook and Instagram as a good drop podcast. If you want to check out our library of previous episodes, you can have a look at our website, agooddrop.com.au and if you've got any comments questions feedback suggestions for future episodes send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com yeah and if there's a winter drink that you know of that we didn't mention that you absolutely swear by we would love to hear about it absolutely if there's enough history on it we might even do an episode too yep so now 
Be sure to tune in for our next episode when we do a blinder of gin. Hmm. It's uh, it's about time for another blind taste test, and I haven't, like, honestly, I don't really have that much experience with gin, so it will be good to try and pick. Like, it, it is the pattern holding for cheap, middle, expensive. Yeah, is, is it the same across everything? That's hmm. that's what we're trying to find out. So tune in next time. Hmm. Yeah. Until next time. Cheers. cheers.